Happy day. Thank you for coming to church today. It is great to see every single one of you here. And I want to apologize to the Hudson Valley region because I know they all came thinking they were going to get to hear Sam Powell preach. And they're like, oh, that guy again. Let me read to you from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth. It's full of his glory. At that, the sound of their voices and the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then, one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. This is an amazing story. It's a story of humility. It's a story of surrender. It's a story of transformation. And ultimately, it's a story of victory. It's a story that you and I see over and over and over throughout the Bible. We see it with Noah, with Abraham, with Rahab, with David, with Lydia, with Hannah, with Mary, with Peter, with Paul, and yes, even with Jesus. We see men and women who were transformed by the power of God and then turn around and alter the world. Here's the good news today. The good news is this can be your story too. This can be your story too. Today, God still wants to transform us and he still then wants to use us to help other people. So today, we're going to look closely at Isaiah. We're going to look at this passage here that we just read and we're going to ask ourselves, what can we learn today? What can we learn from this passage? What can we implement? What can we apply in our lives so that God can use us the way he used Isaiah? I have two points for you today. I know the required number of preaching points is three, but today you get a discount. You're welcome. We have a sale going on. Two points. My first point is, here am I. And my second point is, guess what? Yeah, oh man, you've seen my notes. Point number one, here am I. You know, in this story, Isaiah voluntarily surrenders himself to the will of God. In this story, Isaiah raises his hand 
and he says, I'm available. I'm available. Pick me. I'm present. Count me in, Lord. I'm at your service. This is the heart that God loves to use. The here am I heart. If God is to work in our lives today, the way he's worked in so many people's lives in the Bible, we've got to have that heart. We've got to surrender to God's will and have the same heart that says, here am I. So my question for you, my question for me, the question for us today is this. Do you have this heart? Do you have the heart that says, God, I am present. God, I am here. God, I am yours. I am available. Use me as you like. Here am I. Do you have that heart? Some of us, I'm afraid, we're here, but we're not really here. We're present, but we haven't truly given our hearts. We haven't truly given ourselves over and surrendered to the will of God in our lives. We disconnect, and we're here physically, but we keep our distance. That's my fear. Listen. Life gets more complicated as you get older. I know that. When I moved to New York City, Manhattan, 25 years ago this year, I was a young man, and all I had was my Bible and my rollerblades, and that's all I cared about. That was it. I was a rollerblading stud. Thank you. Thank you. But then you grow up a little bit, right? Now I have a wife, I have a family, I have a car payment, I have responsibilities. I, I mean, life gets more complicated and more challenging. And so it's hard for us as we get older in the faith to stay spiritually engaged. But that is the call for us today, brothers and sisters of the New York City Church of Christ. We've got to get spiritually engaged. We've got to have this heart that says, here am I, send me. Too many of us, too many of us are armchair quarterbacks. We sit back in church and we just criticize. Well, that's not the way I would have done it. Well, how would you have done it? Why don't you get in the game and then we can talk about it? Too many of us just sit back. We sit back and we yelp the service, right? Well, I'll give that song three stars. You know, the welcome was good, but that guy who preached, uh, yeah, stay away from him, send. You know, listen, nobody cares about the win-loss record of the referee. It's time to get involved, brothers and sisters. It's time for us to give ourselves, to stand up again and say, here am I. Here am I, God. I am available for you. That was the heart of Isaiah. And that's the heart we got to have today. But the question really is how? How do we do that? Well, the answer is right here in the text. How is it? How did Isaiah do it? How did he get to the point of having that heart? Well, it's pretty simple. He came into the presence of God. He entered the presence of God. He saw the greatness of God. And it humbled him. It gave him perspective about God, about himself. And honestly, it broke him. Are you having a hard time with the, having the heart of here am I? Maybe you need to come into the presence of God again. Maybe you need to open up the Bible and look at God and see the qualities of God. 
and see how amazing God is. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you're a guest today. And I know we have a lot of guests here. Maybe you're a guest and you're like, well, where do I start? It's a big book. Don't worry. That's what we do. We teach people the Bible here. Not just our ministers and our leaders. All of us, we teach our members how to teach the Bible. You may be like, hey, I don't really like that guy, but will you get with me and teach me the Bible? Yes, we can do that. We actually have a, a study series, a series of, of, of Bible studies that will take you from zero in your faith to a faith in God. Now, you're not going to have an advanced degree after our Bible studies, all right? But you are going to get to open up the scriptures and you're going to get to see the power of God as displayed in the cross of Jesus, hanging there, dying for our sins. You're going to get to see the power of God as the blood of Jesus was shed and offers you an opportunity to wipe away your sins. You're going to get to understand about discipleship and what it means to give yourself. You'll, you'll see the presence of God. You've just got to ask. It's available. It is available. Do you need to open the Bible? We're here. We can help you with that. Listen to the amazing things that are said in this passage about God. The amazing things. It says God was seated on a throne. It says he's high and exalted. It says he was shaking the doorposts. The angels there were crying out, holy, holy, holy. I mean, it was an amazing sight. Listen, this is one of the reasons we come to church today. This is one of the reasons we're here today, so that we can get a glimpse, just a taste, just a small little look at how great God is. That's why we come here. We have a lot of guests here. I understand that. And I know some of you are a little freaked out. And that's okay. I understand. Listen, you look around, you see all sorts of people, multiple cultures and, and ethnicities and languages. And we're all together. And we're hugging. And we're singing. It can freak you out a little bit. I understand. For some of us, we get super excited about this. But some of us, we feel a little overwhelmed. Welcome to Isaiah's world. You're in a good spot if that's how you're feeling today. Isaiah saw the majesty of God, and it humbled him. It showed him his flaws. It showed him his need for help. Listen, God is powerful. God can work in any circumstance at all. You may think, you don't understand my situation. You're right, I don't understand your situation, but God does. And he can work anywhere. I know a guy up in the Hudson Valley named Zaid. Zaid was born in Newark and grew up in Harlem. And as a young man, Zaid became enthralled with the nation of Islam. And he began to follow and pursue and to look into it. And so much so that when he became an adult, he actually went through a conversion process and became a Sunni Muslim. And he spent years and years of his life as a Muslim and then, and then eventually stopped. And I asked him recently, I said, what was it? Like, what, why did you stop? What was the turning point? He said, I was going through a very dark time in my life. My first marriage was ending. It was a mess. And he said, I, I knew I needed to pray. So he put on his Islamic attire. He went to the mosque in Harlem where he was. And he got on his face. And he prayed through the ritualistic prayers that, that they pray through. And he said, after it was all done, he stayed there with his face on the ground. And he, he just, he said, I was so empty. And I just, without thinking, I said, 
Jesus, help me. Yeah. Well, one of his friends in the Islamic faith sitting there got up, walked over and said, hey, what did you just say? <laughs> now he says, he says, I wasn't sure at that point that I'd said it out loud or not, but then I realized, oh, I said it out loud. He said, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that. I don't know what that was. And that moment began a quest for him to pursue Jesus. And a couple years later, he would connect with some brothers in the Hudson Valley region here in the New York City Church. They would study the Bible. And just a few months ago, Zaid was baptized into Christ as a disciple. And then... A couple days later, he baptized his wife. The point is this. The point is this. It's God can work in any circumstance. David says it this way. Psalm 68, 34 and 35. Proclaim the power of God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the heavens. You, God, are awesome in your sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. Are you looking at the majesty of God? Are you looking at the power of God? Are you looking at the love of God? Do you let yourself be in awe of God? This is the beginning of having the heart that Isaiah had that said, here am I. But you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just Isaiah seeing God's greatness that helped him, but it was that he also experienced God's forgiveness. It says there that Isaiah was in the presence of God. He was humbled as we read, and he knew he was unworthy. He knew it. But it says that an angel came down with a coal from the fire and touched his lips and said to him in verse 7, Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Forgiveness! Forgiveness! Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness will move you. Forgiveness, if you believe it, will change you. It will create in you a heart that says, here I am, God, take me. I'm available. Use me. That's how powerful forgiveness is. Listen, we all need forgiveness. All of us. If you don't think you do, do a study. Google the word pride in the New Testament. And you'll see your need for forgiveness, hopefully. Hopefully you will. We all need forgiveness. Why? Because we all blow it, we, right? We all make mistakes. We all do things that are dumb. I remember the first year of our marriage, my wife and I, at her first birthday, three months after we got married. It was in December. We got married in August, and December was her birthday. And I remember I completely forgot. Okay. Yeah, it gets worse. Hold on. It's going to get worse. I completely forgot. And it wasn't, a, yeah. <laughs> I heard wow down here. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I know. It wasn't until halfway through the day or three quarters of the way through the day that I, I realized, I don't know if she told me or if somebody else told I can't, or it just dawned on me. I'm like, oh my gosh, today's my wife's birthday. So she was gone 
she was at an appointment or something. She was gone at the time. So I thought, I can salvage this, right? I can fix this. So I go to the local drugstore, all right? Again, yeah, it gets worse. I go to the local drug, and I don't remember Walgreens or CVS or right, I don't remember where it was, but I'm at the drugstore walking up, in the, uh, up and down the aisles looking for a gift. And as I came around the corner, I looked and saw, there it was. There's the gift for my wife. It was the kitchen supply section. I thought, who wouldn't love kitchen utensils from Rite Aid. Sad thing is, I know there are some brothers out there right now who are like, I don't see what's so funny, bro. I don't, I don't, what, what's the deal? Right? Yeah, I'll let someone else talk to you. All right, you can tell, yeah. So I bought a spatula, a spoon, and remind you, just mind you, this is not William Sonoma I'm shopping at, right? Right? I think I may be a whisk. You know, I went all out. Came home. She wasn't home yet. Set up the dining room table. And I wrapped each individual utensil and displayed them on the table so when she walked in, she would see the vastness of my love as displayed in drugstore kitchen equipment. I don't remember exactly what happened after that. It's all a blur. I seem to remember a lot of weeping. It wasn't me that was weeping. Probably should have been. And if I could go back, I, I would have encouraged her by saying, it's only gonna get more disappointing from here, honey. We all make mistakes, is what I'm saying. Thank God this year, actually this summer, my wife and I will celebrate 20 years of marriage. She decided to hang in there. She is the, 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 she is the perfect woman for me. And I am so thankful to God for her. She is my absolute best friend on this planet. And I'm so thankful for her. But my point is this, we all need forgiveness. And let me just say this, while I'm on this topic, a little aside for us. In my years of being a ministry leader, I have seen the thing that hurts people's faith in the long haul are grudges. Grudges. Listen, it is insane to think that a vast number of people like this from multiple, multiple backgrounds coming together and, and trying to be a spiritual family, it's insane to think that we are not going to hurt each other sometimes. It is insane to think that we're not going to sin against each other at some, sometimes. But the good news is the Bible in Matthew chapter 18 gives us a prescription on how to deal with that. The first step is the hardest one. Go to the person! Did I yell that too loud? Go to the person! We skipped that! You know, we do our little survivor thing. We're like, I'm going to go talk to three or four other people because I just need to get some advice. No, go to the person. Talk to the person. It's not that hard. This is not rocket science. Come on, man. But what happens is since we don't resolve our conflicts in a spiritual way, grudges form in our hearts. And let me tell you, the book of Hebrews teaches us that bitterness 
wickedness will grow and it defiles many. You think you can hide your bitterness. You can't. We see right through you. We know you're grumpy because you're mad about something. Come on, man. Just own it and deal with it. And let me tell you this to humble you a little bit more. If you've got a grudge, the moment that someone hurts you, right? The moment that someone sins against you, all right, you may be the victim, right? You still need to go to them. You need to be humble and you need to be open. But the moment you skip that step, the moment you start nursing a grudge in your heart, the moment you start building bitterness is the moment now you need forgiveness. You have crossed the line now. You no longer are the victim. Even though you didn't do anything wrong, if you harbor bitterness, you become the victim. Yeah. And I've seen it destroy people's faith. And the, the, the bad thing is it's not a quick death. It's a long, slow, brutal death. If you got a grudge, turn yourself in today. Turn, just do it today. Not right now. Wait till I'm done, all right? But, later, okay? Turn yourself in. And don't go up and say, hey, I just want to tell you all the things you did wrong to me because I want to be open. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Go in and say, I am so sorry. This hurt me, something you did, and I have just sat on it. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. And then walk away. Leave it at that and let that be humble. We all need forgiveness. Christians, sometimes I think we forget the completeness of the forgiveness we have been given from the Lord. I think we forget that. We walk around and act like we're only partially forgiven. You know, uh, you know I'm, eh, I'm struggling. What? The Bible teaches that, that, that God's forgiveness is absolute. It's it's completely, it covers all your sins, not most of them, not the easy ones. It covers all of them. Listen to some of these verses. Psalm 103, 11 and 12, it says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, how far is that? I have no idea. It's forever. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Colossians 1, 22, and 21 and 22 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now, right now, check your watch, now, right now, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. That's some strong forgiveness. Holy in his sight, without blemish. Oh, I got a few blemishes. No, you don't. Not in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessings in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Listen, the Bible has very strong language about our forgiveness. Christians, do you believe this? Do you believe this? If you really believed that you were holy in his sight without a blemish, free from accusation, there are no 
spiritual accusation. Yeah, well, I don't really feel that way. I don't care. I care how you feel. Yes, but I don't care. Because, I'm sorry, I do care how you feel. You're a nice person. I got it. But it's not based on what you feel. Right? Praise God. You may not feel this way, but we don't go on your feelings. That's not what you're saved by. You're saved by the holy word of God. And it says if we're in Christ, we are without blemish and free from accusation. You are spotless right now. So you might as well go ahead and let yourself feel it. It will change your life. Christians, we need to believe this. Non-Christians, I just have one question for you. Why? Why are you a non-Christian? Like seriously, what do you have that is better than being absolutely cleansed? Tell me. I would like to hear it. I would. I know you got some cool stuff going on, some fun. I understand. It's all temporary, right? But absolute forgiveness, like your guilt being taken away, your sins being atoned for, gone. What is better than that? Why are you a non-Christian? Why? You know, in short, if we are going to have a here am I heart, we got to have the courage to ask, where am I? In order to find out, to, to say, here am I, you got to say, where am I? And like Isaiah, to do that, we got to look at God and we got to look at ourselves. That's what Isaiah did. Second point, here am I, send me. Isaiah came before the Lord and he was humbled and he was forgiven and his heart was forever changed. And then God said, hey, I got a job. There's a need. And Isaiah said, I'll go. I'll do it. I'll do it for you. Here am I, send me. There is still a need today for people to do God's work. There is still a need for men and women to stand up and say, here am I, send me. Don't send him, don't send her, send me. I am available, I'll do it. There is a need. God has called us to save a lost world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the Bible says we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal to the lost world through us. He could have skipped us and gone right to them, but for some reason, in his great wisdom, he's decided to include us. So there is a need for us to step up and say, here I am, send me so we can save a lost world. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4, it says, God wants all people to be saved. How many? All. all people. Not most, not some. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. All people are not saved yet. There is still a need today. So will you answer the call with, here I am, send me, Lord. Listen, the need to save souls in our city alone is staggering. It's staggering. I preached in Brooklyn a couple Sundays ago. Brooklyn. And as I was driving home, I was just amazed and reminded as I drove 
and just saw house after house after house after house and then turn house after house after house. I thought, there are so many souls that need to know the truth of God. You know, in the New York City, New Jersey metropolitan area alone, there's over 20 million souls. 20 million. One of every 16 Americans live in this part of the country. You know, and the story of our church, if you don't know the story, it is incredibly inspiring. A little over 30 years ago, 18 people moved to New York City with the sole purpose of making disciples, of saving the world. And they, and they began and they worked and the odds were incredibly against them, but they did. And, the, and that group of people has grown to what you see before you now. Literally almost 3,000 people. 3,000 people together. That is amazing. That is inspiring. But here's my concern. My concern is we think we're done. My concern is we've gotten comfortable. We're like, wow, look at us, man. We are, yeah, we are pretty amazing. Look at us. Listen, there's still 20 more million people for us to reach. You know, we are, if you do the math, we are 0.015% of the way done saving every person in the New York metropolitan area. 0.015. That's one and a half percent of one percent of the way done. That'd be like if you like if you had a thousand dollars in debt, right, on your credit card. You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay this down. I'm gonna pay down my debt. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Amen, bro. I'm gonna do it. And you drive to the bank, right? You get out. You go. You say, Hey, I'm gonna pay down. I'm gonna start working on this debt. Awesome. And you reach in your pocket and you give the cashier fifteen cents. You go. There it is. Boom. Yeah. Put that on my debt. It'd be like if you, you, know, you got on the scale and you're like, you know, I need to lose 20 pounds. You're like, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. And you walk around your living room a couple times, you know, and you go and you get back on the scale and you realize you, you know, maybe you've got an amazing scale and you realize you've lost one twentieth of an ounce, right? Not even an ounce. You just say a twentieth of an ounce and you go, yeah, nailed it. Let's celebrate. Chocolate cake for everybody. Come on. Woo. I mean, that's where we're at. That is where we're at. Listen, don't get me wrong. I thank God for every soul that becomes a Christian. And just like the angels, we rejoice every time there's a baptism. It fires us up and it's exciting, but we're not done yet. We're not done. There's so much more work to do, man. We need to dream about the time when we meet back in Madison Square Garden again for a Sunday service. We need to dream about the day when we have church at Barclays Center in Brooklyn. We need to dream about the day when they got to move the Giants to Monday night because we're meeting in Medlife Stadium and having church because there's so many souls here. That's what we got to remember. We have the greatest message on the planet. Don't be afraid. Listen, if we're going to build God's church in New York City, we need everybody. We need more elders. We need more deacons. We need more evangelists. We need more women's ministry leaders. We need more Bible talk leaders. We need more worship leaders. We need more ushers. We need more camp counselors. We need more teachers. We need more administrators. We need more godly husbands, more godly wives, more godly parents. We need more singles, more campus, more, more youth and family, and more every other thing that we have going on. We need more. We need you. We need you to step up and say, I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it. We need everyone to step up and move by the power of God to say, here am I, send me. I know that some of us have dreamed of doing more for God and we've become discouraged. Don't quit. Don't. Get back up. It's not over. We still got time. Get back up and dream again about doing something great for God. I know that when I say that, maybe 10 different ideas come through your mind. Oh, we should do this. Or, hey, we should start that. Listen, I know we all have ideas. And, and, and to be honest with you, you know, we're, you know, sometimes suggestions just have to stay suggestions, all right? I know Steve Kennard's been working on that uh, communion, uh, you know, dance that he wanted to do, and I'm like, bro, I just don't think that's your thing, bro. He goes, but it's an interpretive dance. I'm like, I'm like, no, let's leave that for John Rodeo, because he's so much better at that than, uh, so. no, listen, I know that we have a lot of ideas, and, and, and sometimes we can do things, sometimes we can't, but that's not the point. The point is this, we can all open our mouth. We can all open our hearts. We can all open our lives and help somebody know God. It only takes a decision. In 1987, Agnes Murphy, Agnes is from, Long, from the Long Island Ministry. She's our church office, uh, admin, uh, one of the administrators in the office. Every time you call the office, she's the one who answers the phone. In 1987, her then husband and her decided that they were going to go around the building that they lived in in Queens and knock on all the doors and just invite their neighbors to an ice cream social. And they went around and they knocked all the doors. And while they were knocking on the doors, they met a guy named Phil Zayas. And they reached out to him. They invited him. And over time, they began to build a relationship with Phil Zayas. Phil Zayas began to study the Bible. And Phil Zayas ended up getting baptized and becoming a Christian. Phil Zayas then baptized his wife, Iris Zayas. She became a Christian. Phil turned around and baptized his three brothers and their wives and their mom all became Christians. Then fast forward about 20 years or so, one of their daughters grew up, Tiffany. She grew up, got married to a guy named George. George and Tiffany, shortly after getting married, decided they need to become Christians because marriage will do that to you, especially when you're shopping for gifts George and Tiffany decided that they wanted to become Christians. They studied about it and they got baptized just a couple years ago on the same day. George is an attorney. He works for the city of New York in Queens. George got a call from his high school buddy just out of the blue saying, hey, George, I know you're an attorney. Me and my wife are about to have a divorce. Do you know, do you know of a good divorce attorney? George said, no, but I got something better for you. Sat down, studied the Bible with Lance. Lance got baptized. Lance baptized his wife, Crystal. They're, they didn't get a divorce. They got baptized. Just this past year, Lance, they, Lance uh, baptized his mom. And, and on top of that, Lance and Crystal's kids made friends with some other kids at school. They came over recently, and their parents happened to be Zaid, the guy that I mentioned earlier in the sermon. I mean, that's... That's one decision that one person made to open their mouth, to open their heart. And that was 30 years ago, and 16 souls were saved. 
at least, not to mention all the other people that they've studied with and helped along the way. It takes one decision. Jesus said it this way in John 12, 24, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Let's give ourselves to God. As God calls and says, hey, I got a job. Let's be the ones to say, here am I, send me. Listen, the task is big, but our God is bigger. Victory comes not from who we are, but from who we know. You know, in, in the Hudson Valley Ministry, one of our colleges up there is the United States Military Academy at West Point. And uh, one time I was asked to lead a prayer at a small graduation ceremony that they were having. It was about 150 soldiers. And I said, sure. And I arrived there early in the morning in my suit and tie. Everybody else was in their battle uniforms, you know, and I'm looking around trying to find somebody in charge because everybody's wearing the exact same thing. But I see a group of men standing in the corner, so I walk over to those men, and one of them, as I walk, turns around, and I see on his, on his hat a star. And, you know, I realize that's the commandant, the then commandant at West Point, a brigadier general, the man in charge of all military, military training of all 4,000 cadets at West Point. And I see him, so he waves me over, and we walk over there, and I'm standing next to the general, and, and all the, the, you know, a couple, a bunch of captains are around, and they were talking through the logistics of the ceremony, kind of working it out, and, and the general just says to me, he says, Phil, just follow me. When I tell you, that's when you say your prayer. I said, no problem. I'll follow your lead. And so, one of the captains says, sir, we need to go. Let's go out of the prey field. And as we all turned, and as I was walking next to the general, we were walking out onto the parade field, right? And as soon as I got on that parade field, I mean, the moment I stepped onto that parade field, 150 plus soldiers says, boom, snap to attention. And I was like, yeah, come on. That's the way it should be. But in that second that I had that thought, I had another thought. Phil, it's not you. It's the Brigadier General standing next to you. Listen, victory comes not because of you. It becomes of the Holy God who is standing next to you. You're a good person. We like you. You're talented. You're beautiful. You've got lots of great things, but that's not what's going to save the world. It's going to save the world because of the God that stands next to you. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Like Isaiah responded, let's respond. Here am I. Send me. Thank you. Amen.